Hey everybody, you're listening to Salah's Corner with your host, Salah Muhammad. So I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed the other day and I come across this old meme I posted. It's Hillary Clinton and a bunch of other white people on the Ellen Show doing the dab. Um, the, it's really funny. It's followed by President Obama shedding a tear. And under the video, it says Obama bans dabbing in the U.S. Uh, it, it was a really funny moment, but speaks to a larger question of one race possibly appropriating style, dance moves, even music from other cultures. This is even bigger with white people. I think it's safe to say in some circles, there's just an assumption white people stole everything they had. Of course, this meme took it on a more playful context, but when you compare it to something like hip hop, I know a lot of black people believe it should only be performed by black artists and other people of color. Eminem, Justin Timberlake, even Robin Thicke has taken heat for stealing from black cultures. Culture vultures is the coined term. This isn't just exclusive to music. Even Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, I don't know how you say his name, took a little slack from Samuel L. Jackson for being a British-born actor in the role he played in the movie Get Out. They claimed he should have been American-born since the movie was depicted racism in America. But how did this impact just average people? When is it okay to appreciate another culture without appearing as though you're jacking it? How can it be done in a way that gives a nod of respect to the culture without just stealing a style that isn't yours? So today we're sitting down with Paige Wilson, fashion and lifestyle vlogger at the MILF Files. That's right. You heard it. The MILF Files. Mother, I like to follow for all you perverts out there. She's also a producer at My New Philly and our resident culture authority. Paige, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So I, I feel like the, the, the topic of culture appropriation is such a sensitive thing. Within this debate, there are people on the extremes from both sides. You have white people that will literally steal a style and say they invented it. Then you also have black people saying white people shouldn't be allowed to do anything that originated from black culture. What's your take on the extremes of of the culture appropriation work. So being in the fashion industry, like culture appropriation, like you see it left and right. My thing is give credit where credit is due. And that's where a lot of people go wrong because you take something like cornrows and, you know, Kim, Chloe and Courtney wear it and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so great. It's innovative and it's beautiful. And me, Shaniqua and Raylia been doing this since we was 12. Like you have to give credit where credit is due. I definitely, the, the cornrow thing just like is a personal thing for me because I, I had cornrows back in like 99, like 2000. <laughs> I had the, I remember when Iverson first came out and like he, you know, he got in the league, he had his little shortcut and then eventually he ended up having cornrows and it was like, yo, I want to do it. Like everybody my age, everybody in their neighborhood would go to the same girl, $20 and you can get your hair cornrowed like Iverson. But then I remember all the white people that were doing it. And I remember everybody like looking like what, what, what's, what's, what's this about? Do you think that is okay? Even if it's just, you know, you know, we're not talking about on the Kim Kardashian level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about just like you're, you know, the neighborhood little kid from around the way. I think it's okay because growing up, I did. I took ballet and I was probably like one of five little black girls in there and they all wanted me to braid their hair. Granted, I didn't know how to braid <laughs> and I told them. <laughs> but like to them, that was something cool. Like I had braids and they wanted braids. Like they wanted my curly hair and I wanted their straight hair because it was something that was cool. 
Now, like I said, culture appropriation, people try to take it and claim it as their own. That's where you get the no-no from. Like, say I got this from black culture. I was inspired by black culture instead of just saying this is new, this is hip. So I think the biggest thing is, is it's especially when you reach that platform of you have some followers, that kind of nod of, you know, yeah, I may look cool in this, but this is where it came from. I think as long as you're doing that, basically, that's kind of a safe space. Yeah, I like I completely agree with that because um, too many people trying to make things their own. Like, stop. Like, um, Nicki Minaj did the whole Chung Lee thing. Like, she, you, we all know Chung Lee is very Asian. Like, but she took that from an a- Asian culture, right? And she's not afraid to say it. She's not making it hurt. Like, she's not taking it and saying, "I did this. I'm the first person to do it." First of all, Chung Lee is Street Fighter, which is. Our culture. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, but I love I love uh, uh, Street Fighter from that, that that game in Chun Li. So I immediately just you know, as soon as I saw that video and the, the whole outfit she had on, my first reference just went to the video game and not necessarily something that was specific to a particular culture. But I that you make a good point with that whole reference. Um, but you know, beyond just like that style, holidays is the the biggest fights when it comes to cultural appropriation. Halloween was a couple months ago. You know, we all see the the crazy costumes that it's come out. Terrible. You got the you got the 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 Mexican man with the hat, you got the Native American uh Indian chief and and you know what what's your what's your 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 take on that type of cultural appropriation and in celebration of holidays. No, that to me is disrespectful because you have people that this is what they do. This is their life. And you just making a mockery of it. Like if you're going to do it, be respectful and do it to the utmost. Don't, don't do the cheap little like Hawaiian lays with the coconut bras. One, they're mixing like five different Polynesian <laughs> cultures. I've been to the, I've been to a Polynesian cultural center and learned all about it. Native Americans, like they're very protective of their culture. Why botch it? Like why not be respectful to these people? And it seems like people make it like they just want to be disrespectful and just disregard it so is there a way so a better question really is is should we just like stop dressing up as other cultures on halloween no like i said i feel like if you want to dress up as another culture be respectful about it ask the right questions look it up do your research because if you've ever seen actual native american their actual clothes it's Mm -hmm. beautiful it's suede it's like it's you have to go to an actual i forgot what it's called um a powwow and they're all dressed up and it's all handmade go to one see what it's like buy something and ask about their culture don't just take what mainstream america has made of it especially with like mexican asian all of that with mexican it's it's i think it's even a step further especially when it comes to like cinco de mayo you know if you ask the average like little white girl about cinco de mayo they they i think people just think it's a drinking holiday and it's it's just meant for you to go out and get some coronas at like your local taco restaurant and you know happy hour happy hour corona hour and you get drunk and that's kind of what Cinco de Mayo is and I I think they miss the purpose of what the actual holiday means and yeah so I did a whole video uh we did a whole video of what Cinco de Mayo is supposed to be about and like every time like it's it's mildly um 
we were trying to educate ourselves, but then we kept on taking shots of tequila every time we got it wrong, which we were pretty much taking shots of tequila the entire right. time because we <laughs> knew nothing about Cinco de Mayo. But like, it's educate yourself. That's like the best thing I could ever tell anybody is to educate yourself. Why are we drinking on this holiday? What is it about? Why are we being told that this is a holiday we should be drinking on? We should be eating chips and guac and tacos. Like it's it has nothing to do with it. Going back to, you know, you talked about how in the fashion industry, there's a lot of a cultural appropriation, especially, you know, you, you, you reference like the Kim Kardashians and, the uh, you know, the hairstyles and things like that. But what about, you know, for the average person, I, I, I personally see a lot of resurgence of a lot of that style from the 90s that black people made really famous, you know, Fila, for example, uh, champion has made this huge resurgence of oh, like popularity me. and like you, you know we've had these conversations i wouldn't be called dead in something like that <laughs> now neither one of us would not be called dead and no fila no champion the is, but is that a is that a form of like modern day uh-uns oh my god i can't believe you said that is that a form of um like modern day cultural appropriation I don't think it's um, culture appropriation. I just think that these brands just saw that the F leisure wear was coming back and jumped on a bandwagon. Wait, wait, wait. For for the uh, uninformed, what's F leisure? F leisure. So, you know how people have been wearing their leggings and yoga pants outside and now these big companies like lululemon have marketed off of it so it's f leisure so you can wear it to work out but you can also wear it for leisure purposes like going to the supermarket and now it's cool to wear sweatpants out to the club it's cool to wear sweatpants out to you know uh, a nice event so that's why i said like people like feli and champion jumped on that bandwagon you know where was you getting feli and champions from like your local city blue or something or i don't even think it was in city blue i mean maybe the thrift store had it like it was so champion might have had like some now you're uh, seeing it, you're seeing Feli and Champion in places like Nordstrom's and Bloomingdale's and Macy's. Once like low budget brand, like if your mom got you some Champion sneakers, you're about to get clowned in school. <laughs> now it's like my mom got me this Champion hoodie, y'all. Like I'm flood. I got the drip, as the kids be saying. The drip, man. <laughs> I'm getting old, y'all. I athleisure. The drip. The drip sounds like you burning. Athleisure sounds like you lazy. Um, I am absolutely getting old. So, but you know, I just to press a little bit more. You know, you we, you talk about like Felon Champion being into you know these big market stores like Nordstroms and 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 Neiman's. You when they were previously in City Blue, which is you know that local kind of hood, you know, uh, uh, streetwear. Yeah. You know, now that clothing line that used to be in that store that was you know twenty dollars that same shirt is at neiman's and and nordstrom for ninety dollars you know is that a form of appropriating a style and culture um and taking it away from the people that generally had access to it and making it more expensive because you know i think it's fair to say that the people that shopping at city blue probably isn't shopping at neiman's and nordstrom yeah, in a sense, yeah. Um, like I said, they these um big these big house designers have also partnered with these little brands right. like Champion and Feli. Tom Snyder partnered with uh, Champion for their yeah. collaboration. And uh, I I was um 
I think I was on 95 going south one day and I saw a big billboard with um, one of them Jenner Kardashian girls again in fila sweatpants. So once again, you're blowing it up. You're throwing a, you're throwing a big old, throwing a uh, little white girl on there and saying it's cool and it's hip now. So that it, it does come full circle and you're still, like I said, the fashion industry. I don't you, think they figured it out yet. They ain't figure it out. They, they probably won't figure it out. They won't figure it out. <laughs> so I'm a 25 year old white woman. And I want to incorporate, you know, a black style onto my my new my new blogger page because I'm a 25 year old white woman. And that's what we're doing now. Um, no shade to all the 25 year old white women girls? out there. Um, but, you know, I, I um, that's who I am. And I want to broaden my demographic. How do I do it without appearing to be a culture vulture? And how do I make sure that? You know, what I'm doing is actually genuine and it's that not of respect. Make it your own. Don't go and like uh, like I was saying before, don't go and put cornrows in and say this is so hot and fresh. Like I saw I was watching a video of Beyonce back in 2001. Thought her braids were so cute. I wanted to wear them. I know if I don't look right. I don't care, but I still thought they were cute. Like, say where you took your inspiration from. Gotcha. Say I was watching a Lil' Kim video in 96, and she had this Chanel outfit on. I thought it was so cute, so I recreated it myself. Tell everybody where you got your inspiration from. Don't just sit here and say, well, I got the hottest shit on right now. My drip is, well, I think only the, the urban children are saying the drip. But I have on all this cool new stuff when knowing damn well you was watching a Biggie video and you thought that was cool. Just say you was watching a Biggie video. Just say you was watching a Kim video. Like, we are will appreciate it. I think the biggest lesson for me in this is um, knowing what the drip is. <laughs> I have never heard of that before. I've been hearing it. The kids have been saying it. I'm like, what? What is it? And it was like a little British kid who told me that too. He's like, Paige, you look at Nordstrom. Oh my God, they got the drip. And I was like, they got the what? It's like, they got the drip. And we were both drunk at this point. They got the drip. I'm like, okay. <laughs> is it like you got the juice now? Yeah, it's like the drip, <laughs> the juice. I don't know. Like all I'm, just, all I want to do is say they got nice clothes. Well, <laughs> you 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 heard it from Paige. Um, the drip. Wow. Uh, well, on that note, you know, just to get another uh, perspective in this, I sat down with Allison. She is uh, owner of the Savvy Camel, and we talked about the struggle she faces with growing her demographic and kind of the stigma that comes with being, uh, you know, like I said, a white woman and not being a culture vulture. So, Allison, what's the demographic of your audience? Um, my audience is mostly based in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is my largest city. They're 85% women, um, mostly between the ages of 25 and 34, and about 75% Caucasian. That was, that was very... Um, prepared why why uh why north carolina uh, that's where i'm from originally okay that, that <laughs> gives a little bit of context um so tell us a little bit about your style so we can understand what what drives your demographic uh, my style is just kind of a hodgepodge of different things. I That's part of the reason why I call my blog The Savvy Camel, just because I don't really know what particular genre I fit in. So I just kind of call my style savvy. So again, you know, we're focusing on that appropriation of culture and, and 
trying to find that happy balance of being able to blend cultures. Um, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. Uh, Wearing clothes too large was the style for a lot of people, especially black people. Uh, Whenever you saw a white person wearing the same style clothing, it was automatically assumed they were just trying to steal your style. Um, Have you ever felt that when you're compiling looks for your blog or your Instagram uh, page? Um, Does it prevent you from going into certain areas just to avoid that conflict that, you know, tends to happen, especially in uh, social media? I don't think that I do. Maybe I do. And I'm just I've been what's the word I'm looking for? Oblivious? No, I'm conditioned to think that way. Gotcha. Um, so maybe I just don't notice it. I don't think I do though. I think I just, if I like something, I will wear it and put my own spin on it. And if I don't like it, I won't wear it. Um, what about sharing content that doesn't necessarily belong to you? For example, something relating to like Mexican heritage month or black history month, you know, maybe not necessarily you, but do you feel like that's a safe space just for people of other cultures to engage in that type of topic or that, that realm, even though that's not particularly their race? I think it's becoming more safe. I used to steer clear of it because I was afraid of someone thinking that I it wasn't my place to say that or I'm not from that culture, so I couldn't possibly know what it's like. But I, I've never said or shared anything about any of those types of topics that I didn't intend for someone to feel like I supported them, if that makes sense, kind of. Yeah, it does. I, I, I feel like things have changed, you know, especially coming of age of certain millennials you know we're conditioned to have more of an inclusive culture but i also feel like a lot of that conversation is also driven by people that are very secular you know into certain communities if you grew up in a predominantly black community you you know you think everything that you do is kind of owned and secluded to the black community so when you see someone white doing it it's like whoa what are you doing and vice versa you know i think You know, to some degree, you know, it's the same with uh, a predominantly white community, a predominantly Mexican community, a predominantly um, Pakistani community. I think that there's an opportunity for all that. Do you do you feel that same way? Yeah. And I think to that point, that's exactly why I used to steer clear of it. And I think part of the reason I'm more comfortable speaking out about it now is because I do have some really close black friends, you being one of them, other people that I trust. And I'll just ask them, I'm like, is this okay to share? Is this okay to say? Like, is it going to be received well? And I think it's kind of important if you're concerned about it to have those people that you trust before you speak out about it if you are concerned. I have some white friends that are scared to share certain aspects of things that they may like and uh, want to partake in and want to be a part of simply because, you know, they're not black. um, And they fear that there's, you know, black Twitter is going to come out and get them or, um, you know, they're the, the people that do follow them that happen to be black because they're not a close friend you know, they're quote unquote, not allowed, you know, what advice would you give to to someone with that type of mindset? Yeah, I I definitely get that. Um, I think, like I said, if you have friends or anything like that, that you trust and are comfortable asking, like, if it's okay to share, I would say ask those things. Predominantly, your audience is white, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Do you have you tried to broaden that audience and to hit multiple different demographics? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, It's really important to me to have a diverse audience as much so as possible. Um, So I I actually kind of make it a point sometimes to seek out black influencers and Mexican influencers, all different types and share their platforms and engage with them and collaborate with them whenever I have an opportunity. Um, And I sometimes kind of going back to what we were talking about, I was afraid that maybe people would be like she's like 
just doing that because she wants to share diversity. But then I'm like, I don't really think that's necessarily a bad thing. So I just kind of continue to try to build those relationships in hopes to be able to broaden my audience and my network of fellow bloggers and influencers. I think there's a, uh, often a fear of not necessarily because you're just trying to be diverse. Um, I think there's a fear, especially within the black community, that what was was shared within that community or what was started within that community and was cultivated there ultimately gets taken and exposed and someone else ends up benefiting off of it and not that originator. So I think that's one of the driving forces of anger when it comes to, you know, someone like yourself, for example, Mm -hmm. trying to to broaden your your demographic. Is that something that ever enters your mind of making sure that you when you are reaching out to those different bloggers of color um, that you, you, you give credibility where credibility is to. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely probably my biggest concern in that in trying to grow my demographic that way is just making sure that I don't, people don't feel like I'm trying to take something from them or expose them in any kind of way. So I try to just make sure that I literally share what they're doing and say, I think that it's great. If that makes sense. Just yeah, so it's absolutely. Not like, it's not like I'm trying to take something they're doing and make it my own or benefit off of it in any other kind of way than simply by just trying to help give them some exposure and be seen a little more. Because like most places in life and any workforce, they're a much smaller part of the blogger and influencer community. And as a result, they just don't have as much representation. I'm going to I'm going to benefit off of your style or your 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 affect. But I'm going to. Right not give that nod of respect or not help you along along that way and making sure that you benefit in that same way. And I think that's where the disconnect lies and where that feeling of, oh my God, here's another culture vulture yeah, comes from. I agree. And I never want to come across that way. And it terrifies me that someone might think that way of me. Um, so I definitely try to approach with caution and I think, especially in the current political climate, you kind of have to. So I think this is an important uh, topic that can people need to be a little bit more comfortable talking about and understanding the, the understanding the gray zones and and the belief that you know not everyone is just out to steal your style or steal what you have and make it their own. Right. So cool. Thanks for sitting with me, Allison. Thank you. Thanks. So a really special thanks to Paige. Uh, make sure you follow her on Instagram at the Milk Files. Again, that is mother I'd like to follow. Stop being perverted, people. Uh, she's also launching her YouTube series on fashion, single motherhood, and all things lifestyle. Um, Paige, uh, tell us about your platform real quick. The Milk Files is pretty much just showing uh, moms that you can still be fun, sexy, trendy, all after motherhood. You can work out, you can wear your makeup, you can drop it like it's hot after you drop your kids off at school or their grandma's house. Like It's pretty much just showing the world who I am as a mom. Cool. Uh, do you have a date set yet on your, your YouTube uh, series launch? So I have three promo videos out right now. Go watch them. YouTube. What's YouTube, what's the at? The Milf Files. Cool. And um, so I'm hoping to drop the first official video by the end of December. Like maybe New Year's, New Year's Eve I'll drop it if I'm not completely trashed and laying in a um, puddle of my own vomit. 
Oh boy. Um, <laughs> another special shout out to Allison Hodges. Uh, you can see her style and her lovely home at the Savvy Camel um, on Instagram and SavvyCamel.com. Make sure you follow her on Instagram as well. She always has something engaging going on, like giveaways, and she has this really crazy energetic dog that's sometimes just fun to laugh at as you feel time. And honestly, who doesn't love a good dog video? Um, oh, just one more thing. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Email us all your thoughts on cultural appropriation, um, any questions you may have, opinions you want to share, um, and any future topics you'd like us to cover. You can reach me at realtalk at salazcorner.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at salazcorner and on Facebook, again, yeah, salazcorner. Until next time, 